Hello and welcome to the Bride Tender Podcast. I'm your host, SD Gordon, and I'm here to tend to the brides like I tend to the bar. So mix yourself a cocktail and let's get ready to discuss all things weddings. I'm so excited to share who's on the podcast today. I'm here with Donna Simmental and her podcast, The Good Sign, is the first podcast I was ever on. So having Donna on today is really special for me. Um, Donna's a motivational speaker and educator. She specializes in relationship coaching and marriage counseling. And I believe in today's times where we're glued to our homes with our loved ones, there's a few people that might need a reminder of how special their relationship is. Because let's face it, it's a stressful time in this world filled with anxiety maybe a little bit of depression, but it can also be a really good time to connect with, you know, your fiance maybe during these tough times. So Donna, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Thank you so much. I am so honored to be invited onto your podcast and I'm really excited about this. I'm so excited. Um, I know, I feel like, I feel like when I first met you, but also even, you know, just and like the other times and stuff that we've been able to like meet up since is just, I, I feel like you're just like a, a shining light and a calming force in this world. That is so sweet. <laughs> and I have to tell you that when I, you know, it's amazing how I didn't know you for all that long, but in the, I would say we've known each other now for like, you know, under a year, mm-hmm. but it was like an immediate chemistry. And I just totally immediately like fell in love with you and found you so likable and personable. So <laughs> it is really my honor that you asked me to join you on this podcast, especially like you said, especially now in these rough times. I know. I feel like Donna does did a lot to help me. And I think that she can do a lot to help other people. And... Well, I am glad to hear that. I hope <laughs> I did a lot to help you. Thank yeah, you for saying that. You did. You know, um, I feel like we did. We had an immediate chemistry, immediate connection. I felt like I felt like I could open up to you very quickly, which I feel like I'm definitely not like that with just anybody. Okay. Well, that means a lot to me. Thank you. <laughs> so first thing, Donna, you wear so many hats. <laughs> you You do so many things. And I wanted to ask you, how did you get involved in kind of like marriage, like counseling and, you know, relationship coaching? Yes. So I definitely do wear a lot of hats. Um, Like you said, I am an educator. My profession is I'm a teacher. I've been teaching now for about 20 years. Um, I've taught in private school. I've taught in public school. I've taught every grade from second grade up until sixth grade. Um, And on top of that, like you said, I do the life coaching and I do counseling And um, I have a husband and I've got four kids. So there's definitely a lot to be grateful for and a lot of different roles to play. Um, It's really quite interesting because I was I was teaching for a long time, but I always had a knack for just connecting with people, getting to the root of their uh, situation or the root of their struggle and, and being able to figure out a solution with people. And so even though I was teaching. I was sort of doing this coaching on the side because a lot of my students who I formed great relationships with would then approach me or their parents would approach me and say, you know, could we meet privately? I have this going on or I have that going on. So it started off, you know, with, with students or with kids, um, even, even kids in the neighborhood. And then somehow those kids' parents reached out and said, hey, you know, I feel so, I feel so comfortable talking to you. What about 
you know, meeting with me and my husband, or I have a, a, a daughter that's getting engaged and I would love for her to talk to somebody. So it sort of just branched out almost, almost by accident and on its own. And um, then about a year ago, a friend of mine asked me if I'd be willing to give a seminar on marriage and intimacy, which I had never given a seminar before. But I was always a public speaker because I was always an actress and I was always um, excited about being on stage and speaking. And so I said, sure, why not? So for about a year now, I've been giving seminars on topics ranging from marriage, relationships, anger management, anxiety and depression, having faith. So it's it's certainly taken on a life of its own. And I love it. I love every minute of it. And that's what brought me to start my own podcast, because I was hoping that through Instagram and Facebook and a podcast, I could kind of spread this message of hope and message of happiness and just how to live a more successful life. That was, that was basically my goal. Yeah. And I, I also want to add in just, just so the listeners kind of understand too, is that the way that I met Donna is that a friend of mine, Talia Raps, was on her podcast. I had listened to it and I was like, wow, like, Donna's podcast covers so many different, you know, topics with all different people on. And I found that just very interesting. And I didn't really know even on my end what I could bring to her podcast. But I was like, I want to sit down and talk with her because I just feel like, I don't know, I just felt like we would connect. And it was a weird and, and time. We did. <laughs> Yeah, no, and we really did connect, and I and I felt that way too. So, but I, I hear what you're saying because you know my my podcast, the very first one I did, I was really just wanting to tell people that whatever struggle they're dealing with, that they're not alone. That was my main goal. I was feeling like there's too many people that I was encountering from all walks of life, from all faiths, from all economic status, married, single, parents, not parents. And everyone seemed to have this common connection of feeling either um, sad or depressed or worried or anxious and, and feeling very alone in those feelings. And so my intent with the podcast was I want, the, I want people to know that they're not alone and that their problem is not, they shouldn't feel isolated by their problem because as, as different as we all are, we're all very much the same and we all experience the same difficulties and challenges. And I think knowing that is probably 90% of being able to cope with difficulty. Right. Yeah. No, a hundred percent. So here comes my next question. When it comes to getting married, we know that there's a lot that goes into planning a wedding. So you have the venue, the catering, the music, the dress, the shoes, hair, makeup, tuxes, flowers, the list honestly goes on and on, but there's so much that should maybe be discussed with your partner prior to tying the knot. What are some important topics you think a couple should be discussing and be kind of on the same page about prior to walking down the aisle together? So that's an amazing question. And I think in the question, you said something very, very valuable, which is a lot of our time and energy and resources are put into the venue and put into the flowers and put into the dress and put into the music and, and so on and so forth. And, and while that is beautiful and important, sometimes what's most important gets forgotten. We get so caught up in making the perfect day that we forget to make the perfect life. And I think that in the, in the time prior to actually tying the knot, 
not only do you want to plan the wedding, but you want to plan what kind of life you plan on having together. You know, there's so much unknown when you get married because, you know, life is going to throw all kinds of surprises our way. And, men, and most of it we cannot control. So you want to, as much as possible, you want to try to wrap your hands around the things that you can control because it's, there are very few things we can control in this world. And I mean, now more than ever, we see that to be true, right? With all that's going on in this crazy world right now, with all of the um, surprises and chaos and, and, and fearful things that we're encountering, we see that there's so much that we cannot control. So I think when you're planning to get married, you really want to make sure that you and your partner are on the same page in terms of why are we getting married? Why? What's, what is it that we're looking to create in this new chapter of our lives? That's really the big question. And I think a lot of times we forget to do that. We get so caught up in love and in lust and in excitement. And we have to remember that a lot of that is going to fade, not in a negative way, not like, oh, wow, you know, marriage, marriage is bad and love fades. No, love grows and love and love increases. But in time, the challenges of life present itself and you're no longer in that honeymoon phase. And so it's so important for two people who are preparing to start their lives together to really have deep, meaningful conversations about what's our vision for our future together. You know, how, how many children do we see having, God willing? And what kind of parents do we plan on being? And what type of parenting style do we, do, we, do we share or do we have in common? And what is his temperament? And what is my temperament? And what is it that I can offer in this marriage? What can I give? I think that's a really big piece of it right there, too, is figuring out what, what do I have to offer in this relationship? And not to get too hung up on what can they give me in this relationship? Um, when we go into a relationship and we're completely focused on what we hope to receive, we're bound to get let down. But if we go into a relationship, you know, planning on what it is that we can give and what it is that we have to offer, that's when we know that we're ready to be selfless. And that's when we know that we're ready to be a good partner. So there's, there's, there's a lot we could say about this. There's a lot we could talk about in terms of what, what couples should do to prepare for a healthy marriage, which is why, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm an observant Jew. And in my reality, before a couple gets married, there actually is a certain amount of counseling that the, that the bride gets and that the groom gets in preparation, um, which I think is, is invaluable. But truth be told, it's not even enough. There really should be like mandatory couple counseling before people get married to prepare them for the biggest moments of their lives. That's going to change their lives forever. <laughs> it's like you're reading my mind because that was actually going to be my next question to you. Um, do you think that premarital counseling is something all couples should do prior to getting married? Okay, so we ha I have to point out that you and I did no, not talk in no, what you were going to be asking me. <laughs> that's, that's like uncanny, okay? Um, so I absolutely think I mean, I can tell you this, I have been, thank God, married now for just about 20 years. And if I can go back and do one thing different, I would have couples counseling with my husband prior to getting married. And that is simply because why wait for a problem to be broken and then fix it, which is what we're seeing today. Today, what we're seeing is, is unfortunately, many marriages, you know, not working out. And the marriages that are, many of them are 
struggling and needing help. And there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, if, if you're out there and you're listening to this and you are in a marriage where you feel like you do need help, you are doing yourself the biggest favor by going out and getting that help. Don't, don't look at it as something to be ashamed of. Don't look at it as something that is a stigma. It is not. Just like you would never hesitate to take medicine if you were sick, you don't, you don't hesitate to fix your marriage when it's broken. But if we could fix it before it was broken, wouldn't that be something special? So when you're dating, when you're both in this world of, you know, blissful love and you see him as great and he sees you as great, that's the time to, to go and sit down with someone and get really concrete tips on how to make a relationship last and get good advice on how to communicate in a healthy manner. Like that's the time to do it. It's much easier to do it then than to wait till you're in a situation where you're hurting. Yeah, no, I agree with that. I think a lot of people, they one, I, I just want to say, I, I don't think it's ever too late. Like a lot of people will be like, well, you know, we, we would have done it, but it was too late. I don't think it's ever too late to try to fix something that you really care for. I think if you don't try to fix it, you didn't care enough about it. I I agree with you. I think that we live in a world right now where we're used to immediate satisfaction. We're we're, we're living in a time where we want quick fix for everything. I mean, when people want to go on a diet, they're looking for the most trendy diet where they'll lose weight fast. When people want to make money, they're looking for the next, you know, way to make a quick buck. And it's no different in marriage. People are looking for quick fix. And when they see their marriage is not giving them what they think they need, they are very quick to end it in the false assumption that they'll find it in the next relationship, which we know statistically is inaccurate. So, so what you're saying is absolutely true. It's, it is never too late. Um, you know, let's just make one clear exception. Obviously, someone who is in a relationship where they are dealing with any sort of, you know, abuse, um, alcohol, or an, you know, extramarital affair. There are certain conditions that could be deal breakers, and that's obviously something that someone would have to, you know, speak with someone and really figure out what they wanted to do. But in the mainstream marriage, where today we see so many divorces not based on those, just based on other problems, then then you're right. There's no reason to give up. Everything can be fixed if you are if you're really willing to put the work in, because that's what marriage is. Marriage. Marriage is work. And, and if you think about it, the way that we feel satisfied at our jobs because we work hard and we feel so satisfied, that's marriage. We feel satisfied because we put in the work and we then reap the benefits. But you can't expect to reap the benefits if you're not willing to put in the work. And I think for a lot of people, when they find that they're working hard, they think there's something wrong with that. They're like, wait, that couple looks like they've got it easy or that couple looks happier or that couple seems to have a much, you know, much more easy time of things. And that's not the reality. Everyone who has a successful marriage works at it every single day. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I personally don't know yet, but I I would say my parents have said the same thing. And I I remember you telling me when we spoke once that your parents have also, thank God, been married a long time. And and that, you know, when you, when you, when you grew up in a family where your parents have stuck in their marriage and they've been married a long time and and you could think back as an adult now, you could think back to your childhood and you remember instances where they argued or they fought or, and then you realize that's normal. That's okay. Totally. That's, that's what makes, that's what makes people grow together. So 
it doesn't have to all be perfect all the time. Yeah. I mean, I don't think anything is perfect all the time. Otherwise, uh, you know, it wouldn't be normal. Um, and, and it wouldn't be Absolutely. realistic. Exactly. Exactly. So it takes, it takes effort and it takes, like you said, it takes a desire, a strong desire to want to make it work, to want to make it everlasting. Yeah, I agree with you. So right now with the world, well, and our country mainly, being on a bit of a hiatus with everything closed, you know, due to coronavirus, some things are starting to open up, but we haven't, we haven't gotten there just yet. We've had a few months now in quarantine, and it can be a challenge for people who are used to being out during the day at work to now be home 24-7 with their partners. What advice do you have for maybe some couples who might be struggling to communicate with each other well during this tough time? So, you know, it's interesting because, like you said, we've been stuck home. And for many people, they're home with their spouse, with their children around the clock. And, you know, I made a joke once. I said, like, our children are lovable until we have to spend every minute with them. And it's really true. (laughs) You know, like we're used to sending our children off to school. And so we are able to love them in the morning and then we love them again at night. Now we're expected to love them all day, every day. And it's no different (laughs) with our spouse. And it is, it's very hard, you know, because it's a shock to to people's systems. And what, what I've been finding is that there's two ways of handling this. The first way is to be resentful of the circumstance and to sort of wait till it's over. And by waiting till it's over, it means that instead of making the most of your time, you're sort of just getting through the days and you're waiting for it to be behind you so that you can get back, you know, to whatever life you want to get back to. Is to make the most of the situation and to not just get through the days, but to make the days great. And that is certainly obviously between the two, you know, the better option, because in life, it's silly to ever wait for something to be over. You know, the mentality of, oh, let me just wait till I'm a little bit older, or let me wait till I got the right job, or let me wait till I have the right body, or let me wait till I lose the weight, or till I've got more money in the bank, or let me wait till I fall <laughs> in love. I mean, you, that can go on and on, right? Yeah. The waiting game is this, is this, is this philosophy that I'll be happy when, I'll be happy if. That is, that is, you know, cheating yourself out of precious moments of your life. The way to live a life is to say, I am happy now and I am happy in this moment and I'm going to make the most of this exact time. I'm not looking at any future time. So right now we're in quarantine. Right now we are dealing with this reality and we have to figure out a way not just to get through it because that's, that's level one. But the optimal level is to get through it and to be and to grow and to become bigger and better. Your relationship should be strengthened in this time. You should be able to look back at this time and say, wow, I really grew as a human being. I grew as a person. I, I achieved something. I, I, I did something. I, I'm better now than I was before. But to simply get through it would be shameful. And so when I look at relationships now, I see that there's going to be you know, obviously there's going to be challenges because you're living with this person or you're dealing with this person more often than you ever did. And so what I think is a key tip is 
to be just slightly oblivious. And I've spoken about this in depth. I mean, when you hear the word oblivious, Cassie, do you, do you have a negative connotation, right? <laughs> yeah, usually. Usually, yeah. Usually when you say someone's oblivious, it's, it sounds as if their head is in the clouds. But what I have found to be true, that oblivion is one of the biggest gifts in any relationship. And you can, anyone who's listening to this podcast, you can think of any relationship. If you're dealing with your mother, with your child, with your teenager, with your husband, with your boss, you can plug in this advice. When you have a healthy dosage of oblivion, it means that you know how to look the other way. It means that you know when to respond and when not to respond. You know when to, you know, allow it to escalate and when to not allow it to escalate. Because when you're living with someone and you're dealing with them a lot, they are bound to get on your nerves and you are bound to get on their nerves. And they're (laughs) bound to say things and do things that irritate you. And what you need to do is you need to become oblivious. I didn't see that. I didn't hear that. I didn't notice that. <laughs> you know, I didn't, I didn't hear that tone. You know, the reason, the reason I figured this out, by the way, is because I have someone in my life who I'm very close with. And there was a time when I was newly married and they've been married longer than I. And when I would spend time with them, I would see this person behaving in this oblivious fashion. For example, let's just say their husband would say something with a certain tone that can be construed as insulting. And this, this wife just didn't respond. And time and time again, I would see this type of behavior. Their child would, would have some kind of a, a meltdown. And again, didn't respond, didn't react. And I finally confronted my friend and I said, are you like oblivious to all of this? Like that would really have bothered me. And she said, I choose to be oblivious to it. And it, I will never forget that because I, I really, really like found that to be the most brilliant concept and I've incorporated it into my life and it has saved me a lot of aggravation. <laughs> it's, you know, yeah. It's funny that you say that because I feel like prior to like this year, there's so much in my life that I let bother me. And I'm not going to say that things don't still bother me because I'm nowhere near perfect and I'm not going to, I can't, I can't even say that there's things that don't bother me, but I've let go of so many things that have annoyed me in the past because it's more of like, it wasn't bringing me any, like it was doing me a disservice letting letting things bother me so much okay and that's exactly that's exactly really the point because when I tell people to be oblivious very often the response you'll get is what do you mean like I'm supposed to like take people's abuse I'm supposed to take you know I'm supposed to just be a rag doll and let people no of course not no one's telling anybody to allow anybody to you know put them in a position that makes them feel uncomfortable or that is taking advantage of them. Of course not. But in our daily lives, when we're dealing with our family members or we're dealing with our, you know, coworkers, whoever it may be that we have no choice but to deal with, it is going to, like you said, it is a disservice to your own self to allow everybody's moods and everybody's remarks and everybody's facial reactions to hurt you. You have to be looking out for yourself. And by looking out for yourself, 
you are not going to allow any little thing to annoy you and upset you because that's not healthy. And you know what? Very often when we allow things to slide right by and we become a little bit more oblivious, they just kind of just disappear and they go away. Whereas when we pay attention to them, it magnifies the problem. And I'll give you an example. The other day I was sitting in the kitchen minding my own business and my daughter, who's 13, was having some sort of a meltdown over something that an average teenage girl has a meltdown over and she stormed in and she freaked out and she was dramatic and she was acting a little bit nutty and I didn't say a word. I just let her say her piece and I didn't say a word. And then she walked out and my husband looked at me and said, you're going to let her get away with talking like that? And I said, absolutely. And you know what? You know what he saw unfold? 20 minutes later, she walked into the kitchen, cracking up. She was on the phone with her friend. She was laughing. She was hugging me. It was all done. It was beyond, it was behind us. <laughs> had I, had I responded, had I allowed her anger to affect me? And then I in turn respond in anger. Now we've created a volcano. And that's what happens in most relationships. We react and we respond so quickly that we end up escalating what does not need to be escalated. It's, it's, it, listen, it goes without say that if you're living with your fiance or your boyfriend or your husband, that he's going to say and do things, especially now under quarantine, that he's going to say and do things that we don't like. But if we could figure out a way to just turn our head, to disregard, to not make an issue out of it, we will save ourselves a lot of heartache. Yeah, I, I mean, I think that's really good advice. I wouldn't have thought about that, but I think even in, in my own life, just um, like by myself on this, that I went into this year just being like, I'm going to let go of like certain things that like really bother me and just kind of like decide to be a little bit more laid back opposed to always having to react maybe. And by doing so, I think it definitely has like improved, like improves my own happiness and like my own sense of like, you know, calmness as well. Absolutely. And, and you know what else? If you're able to, like you said, if you're able to control that nature to be reactive and to just to be a little bit less reactive, what normally tends to happen is that we end up getting the same, you know, the same good grace from our partner. So if we're able to do that for them, that's what they'll start to do for us because we kind of, we kind of overlook it when we do it. You know, when we have the snappy remark, when we have the bad mood, when we have the attitude, we don't notice it as much because it's us, but we would want the same, we would want the same, you know, type of treatment from them that they would allow us to sometimes say something and do something and not to jump on it every single time. And so it kind of goes both ways. You're, you're going to give it, but you're also going to get it back. Yeah. No, I mean, that makes sense. It makes total sense. So now, as someone who handles marriage counseling and relationship coaching, what advice do you have for our listeners who are single and looking for the one? Okay. So I think that anyone out there who's single and is looking for the one, what I would suggest is that, and this is going to, I think, surprise some people. I would suggest that you start thinking about what it is that you could bring to the relationship. You know, I think that most single people are 
are very well aware of what it is they're looking for. So if you say to someone who's single, okay, you know, what are you looking for in, in, a, in a husband or what are you looking for in a boyfriend? They've got their list, you know, they know it by heart, most people. They've been, they've been preparing it for years and they know exactly what they want. But if you then say to them, oh, you're, you're ready to get married or you're looking to get married, what is it that you can bring to the relationship? Very often those same people will stumble. And they're a little bit taken aback. It's like, wait, wait, what? What, what am I going to give to the relationship? I haven't really thought about that. And it's interesting because part of the mistake we make when we are single and looking to get married is that we get very focused on what it is that we hope to receive in the relationship. We're hoping that we're going to meet somebody who's going to bring out the best in us. We're hoping we're going to meet somebody who's going to make us laugh. We're hoping we're going to meet somebody who's going to make us feel beautiful, Right. It's all, it's all things that we're hoping to receive. And I think that if we sort of alter our, our perspective a little bit and we start focusing more on, wait a minute, what am I hoping to bring to the relationship? What is it that I can offer another person? What do I have in me that could bring out the greatness in someone else? What is it about me that's going to complete the other person? You know, when you start thinking about it that way, what happens is, is that you start to focus more on your own self-growth. Rather than being needy, you're preparing to be needed. And that is a fundamental difference from a marriage to a real, real relationship. So I don't know if I'm, I don't know if I'm explaining it well enough, but the, the idea behind it is I want to be able to know myself so completely I want to be so comfortable with myself and really know what it is that I'm good at and what it is that I'm not good at. I want to know my strengths. I want to know my weaknesses. And I want to be honest about it, an honest introspection of who I am as a person. You see, because when you're able to really do that and you're able to hone in on your own self and you allow yourself the opportunity to grow as a human being, to improve on the things you're not happy with, then you're able to find someone who's going to be a great match for you because you're no longer a needy person. When you're a needy person, you may meet someone who's going to pick up on your neediness and that might not be a good match for you. But when you become wholesome and, and, and ready and prepared to be a giver, then you're going to meet the right person who's prepared to match that. And, and it's like, it's true that what you put out into this world is what you end up matching up with. So you really want to get yourself ready as, as, as an independent person, get yourself as whole as you possibly can so that you're able to enter into a relationship without being needy and just able to be an independent person who is now marrying another independent person and building a beautiful life together. Yeah. I mean, I guess, it's kind of true. You never really hear about what can you give opposed to what it is that you want. And I think that's an important yeah. thing to really sit back and, and think about. And I'll tell you one more thing that I think is important because I've spoken to many singles and when, I, when we have a conversation about what it is that you're looking for, I'm sometimes a little surprised because I think sometimes, unfortunately, our lists of what it is that we want tend to be shallow. And it's not an intentional shallow. 
it's what we think we really need to make ourselves happy. And so the list might sound something like, I want him to be funny. I want him to be tall. I want him to have a successful job. I want him to be educated, right? Now, all of those things are not necessarily shadow in and of themselves. And those are things that are important. But where on the list are the really important things like, I want him to have a good character. I want him to be honest. I want him to be dependable. I want him to be reliable. You see, because those are the things that are going to be everlasting. Right. And so it's important also to make sure that you're really looking for a solid person, a solid character. That's what's going to be the person that's going to be the forever husband and the forever father to your children. Yeah, no, I, I definitely hear that. Um, And it's true. When you come up with like a list of things that you want, I feel like people don't usually dig as deep as maybe they need to because it's so much more than the surface. Yeah. And because they don't dig as deep as they need to, like you said, they end up saying no to many potential, you know, prospects based on these shallow conceptions where if they were looking in a deeper context, they might see the goodness in a person and be able to overlook some of the list items. Right. Definitely. Right. So now Donna, you're married with, with four children and you juggle so many professions, hobbies, friendships. Now we, me and all the listeners need to know, how did you meet your husband and how did you know he was the one? Is it true what they say when you meet the one you just know? (laughs) I love that question. (laughs) That question's making me smile and laugh. Um, Okay. So first of all, I met my husband. I was in college. I had gone over to my best friend's house. And my husband happened to be there. I'd never met him before. It was like a mutual friend kind of thing. Um, And actually, no, I will say, no, it's not love at first sight all the time. (laughs) Um, Matter of fact, when I met him, I immediately thought he was like a cute, nice guy. And I thought he'd be perfect for my best friend. And I even told my best friend later that night, oh, I met this guy. I think you'd like him. Um, But shortly thereafter, you know, he and I connected. And I would say at that point, And I want to tell you something before I met my husband, I had dated all types of guys and they were all guys that I had that superficial list. But when I met my husband, I did have this eye opening moment of, oh, this is like a real guy. Like, this is like a real guy. This is, this is character. This is depth. This is sincerity. This is goodness. I think that's what I really felt. I felt like, oh, this is goodness. And it doesn't have, you know, it doesn't have to be that he's six feet tall. It doesn't have to be that he's all those things that I thought I needed. Because actually what I want is someone that's going to be my boyfriend forever and ever and ever. And if that's what I want, then I need all the stuff that I didn't think I needed. So that's what's so important to realize. Um, So yeah, he and I met at a friend's house and we hit it off. But it's not like this fairy tale romance. It's not like, and it's been happily ever after. It's reality. And reality means it's good and it's bad 
and it's happy and it's sad and it's pretty and it's ugly and that's reality. And if you want it to work, you're going to have to dedicate your life to make it work and you will reap the benefits because when you're in a relationship that you worked hard for, there is no better feeling in the world. Hmm. Donna, I know you can't even see me right now, but like I'm sitting on my couch as we record this and part of me is like smiling and part of me is like also like not I'm not I'm nowhere near tearing up but like you just bring me this like energy of just feeling so good and like so you know so in control as strange as that sounds. and that's what it is yeah no it doesn't it doesn't sound strange because you are in control you know when we start feeling especially I think for single people who feel like it's out of their control like listen when when it when the right guy comes he'll come you know, sometimes the right guy does come, but we're not looking in that direction because our, our vantage point is off. And sometimes we just need to be reminded that it doesn't have to be sparks flying and it doesn't have to be the man of my dreams and it doesn't have to be that he sweeps me off my feet. It could just be as simple as I finally figured out what's important. Right. Yeah. And all those important things go so much more past all the superficial items or the items on the checklist. Absolutely. So with everything going on right now, what advice do you have for couples who had their weddings planned and have had to postpone or might be in the process of postponing to kind of keep them calm during this stressful time? What The advice that I would give couples who are, are postponing weddings or, or who had to postpone or waiting to, you know, find a new date is take this time and, and, and use it wisely. You know, everything happens for a reason. And if you're finding yourself now with months and months of, of together time with no wedding, that is a gift. That is a gift in disguise. And don't think it's a punishment. Don't think, oh, my bad luck. It is your wonderful luck because you now have more time to spend together, more time to get to know each other. You get to see each other through the good and the bad. You get to see each other, how, 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 how each of you reacts in these tough times. And you know what? Every experience that we have just brings us closer together and gets us, gets us to know each other better and understand each other better. And if you think that this is a challenge, just wait till you get married <laughs> and the real challenges come, you know, you're sharing finances, you're sharing a home, you're sharing a bed, you're sharing children. You, you, you can't begin to understand what's in store. And so to look at this as your very first challenge as a couple, how are you going to deal with this very first challenge? Are, is, are you going to let it rip you apart? Are you going to let it bring you down? Are you going to let it make you sad? Or are you going to let it build you up and, and make you stronger? And are you going to walk away a better person because of it? I think that's the best advice that, that anybody could hear. You know, it's taking this time right now to really embrace it. You know, because when you are committing to someone, forever is a very long time. So whether you're boyfriend and girlfriend or, you know, engaged or married or even single, embrace this time, you know, really getting to 
know yourself or know and know your partner because you know everything everything good is going to happen you know it's just the Absolutely. best is yet to come like they say <laughs> yes yes and you got to stay upbeat and you got to stay positive because because the alternative does not serve any purpose so at the end of the day you want to always try to find the silver lining you want to try to be optimistic you want to try to be a healthy dosage of oblivious <laughs> and you just want to make the most of you really make the most of every day every day is a gift and make the most of every single day as it comes yeah i i agree i and i think right now you know in this quarantine you know we have time and you know I, I'll be honest, this is more of like a personal thing, but every day I pray. And one of the things that I have prayed about is that God has given me this time to rest my body and heal my mind. And I never had time. I always complained that I never had a free second of time. And now I have a lot of time. And it was really hard for me at the beginning because I I was so not used to having any free time, let alone all this free time, but it's given me, it's given me this time to kind of relax a little bit, unwind, and also kind of show like where work and, and everything and being busy is so important to me, but it's not my entire life. That is very, that is very well said. And you know what? Time is probably yeah the biggest gift that anybody can receive. And so, yeah, we could find what to complain about and yeah, we can find what to worry about, but that's a choice we make because like you said, we could just decide that it's a gift. And if it's a gift, we want to appreciate exactly. it. And, and as weird as it is right now, cause timing is just, it's a strange time in the world, but, um, one day we'll look back on this that we had all this time at home and probably wish that we had that time. So we got to, we got to take it all. Exactly. In. Absolutely. <laughs> well, Donna, thank you so much for coming on my podcast today. Um, I'm so excited you were able to come on and I really hope to have you on again soon post coronavirus, um, you know, for some later yes. advice. Um, I want to let Definitely. everyone know where they can follow you on Instagram as well as let them know where they can listen to your podcast, The Good Sign. Yes. So anyone who wants to follow me on Instagram, it's at Donna Simintov. It's D-O-N-N-A-S-I-M-A-N-T-O-V. And um, I'm on Facebook too. And then the podcast I have is called The Good Sign, which you can find on Spotify. Hope that you'll um, check it out. It's full of inspiration. It's full of humor. And it's full. It's just really, really. And you get to hear me and Esty again. We have an episode on there. Um, And honestly, Donna has some amazing guests on. And, you know, Donna's great at interviewing all different people, giving advice, um, you know, making you feel less stressed during a trying time. And honestly, learning a few ways to feel grateful and excited about life. That's exactly my message. Thank you so much, Esty. This has been 
so nice. And I really do hope we get to do it again soon. Whenever, whenever you invite me, I will, I will gracefully. Well, definitely accept. soon. Hopefully, hopefully we will be back to some sort of normalcy soon. It's all that we can hope. <laughs> oh, yes. um, thank you all so much for tuning into the bride tender. You can check us out on Spotify and Apple podcasts for your wedding fix each Monday. Make sure to share with your friend, your fellow bride or groom, your mom, your dad, your cousin, your sister, your brother, your friend, and pretty much anyone as it's the wedding podcast. You never knew you needed. You can check me out and all my Instagram stories at the candy guru. Make sure to follow my candy table displays at Eventpire my event blog showcasing the top event trends on Long Island at the Long Island Eventista. And of course, make sure to follow the bride tender for all fun facts on the wedding industry, ways to save money on your future wedding and hiring the best in the business for your special day. Don't forget to give a follow to Donna Simintov at Donna Simintov, D-O-N-N-A-S-I-M-A-N-T-O-V. And make sure to tune into the Good Sign podcast on Spotify each week. Donna is always, you know, gracing everybody with, you know, some real, some real talk and also just, you know, giving advice on how to be more grateful, less stressed, more excited. And, um, you know, it's what we need, not, not just in quarantine time, but honestly, all the time. <laughs> So until next week, mix yourself a cocktail, slide into my DMs with questions you want answered on all things weddings. Stay sane, stay healthy, and we'll catch you next week. Bye.